you know what? This week I'm thankful for my health, which is so, so much more than the Green Bay Packers can say. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Thumb Bruiser. I'm your host, John Delray. Yeah, to say that the Packers are banged up is a vast, vast understatement. We're going to spend a good portion of the day today just going through the Packers' newest injury update. And it's it's not good. It's very unfriendly. And today, even someone was added to it that we really really did not want to see added to it as we get ready for the Thanksgiving game against the Detroit Lions. So I'm also going to go over what the Lions are looking like right now, what's changed since the last time these two teams met when the Packers fell to the Lions 34-20. So lots to talk about. Let's get right to it. First of all, um, nearly a third of the Packers roster is somehow on this injury report. That doesn't even include the IR guys who we've forgotten about, like Dave Bakhtiari, right? No, nearly a third of their active roster right now is on this list. There's a couple little tidbits of good news there, so let's start there. In terms of full participants, upgraded from yesterday to today. These are guys that were limited yesterday. Upgraded to full today would be Rashawn Gary, Corey Ballantyne, Christian Watson. Yeah, that's the good news. Now, I am going to say before I really dive into this, that again, this is a rough estimation from the Packers medical staff and coaching staff. Basically, yesterday they didn't practice. Today they went through a walkthrough because that's the normal schedule of things on a four-day week. You don't exactly have a lot of hard-hitting, tackling practices in your four, four days of prep, right? So yesterday, no practice. Today, a walkthrough. So they put out an estimation as to if there was a full practice, this is what would have occurred for these guys. Maybe the Packers are over-reporting. I don't know. I'll talk about that in just a minute. So let's go to the limited participants today. These are the guys that would have done some stuff. Jerry Alexander, second day in a row that he's on that list. Kenny Clark, A.J. Dillon, Rudy Ford, Hilton Jenkins, Keyshawn Nixon, Darnell Savage, and Jaden Reed, the newest addition of the day to the Packers injury report. So a few thoughts here. Yes, Jair, Rudy Ford, they're both two days in a row being limited now after missing the last game. You would think that that's a step in the right direction, but like, given Jair last week, I don't think anyone really knows at this point. A.J. Dillon still there with a groin injury. Darnell Savage still there as well. Matt LaFleur, when asked about him in his press conference today, LaFleur said that they're not ruling out Savage yet. Keep in mind, he's not even on the 53. They've just opened his practice window. They've got three weeks to activate him. They said he's chomping at the bit. He's looking ready to go. They're not going to rule him out for Thursday, although it is probably a long shot to go from IR to playing in four days. Uh, and then Jaden Reed, the new addition there with a chest injury. Who knows where that came from? But ultimately, he wasn't on the injury report yesterday. Today, he's limited with the chest injury. We don't know anything else beyond that. And then in terms of the would not have practiced, the DNPs, that's Devondre Campbell for the second day in a row with a neck injury. Josiah Deguara, again, with a hip injury. Aaron Jones, of course. We'll talk about him in just a second. Luke Musgrave, Dontavian Wicks, and Emmanuel Wilson. That is Far too long of a list to really feel good about it. So in terms of uh, Campbell, DeGuara, both expected Aaron Jones, his MRI results did come back. And basically they found that it's an MCL sprain. This is believed to be the fifth MCL sprain of Aaron Jones's career. And it's a week to week 
injury. It's highly unlikely he'll play Thursday. Matt LaFleur alluded to such. They're not really expecting him. But maybe it'll be sooner rather than later, which ultimately is still kind of a blessing considering it looked a lot, lot worse than just that. And then Luke Musgrave. This is another kind of news of the day. Turns out Luke Musgrave suffered an abdominal injury in last week's game against the Chargers. And he didn't really say anything about it. He suffered the injury. Maybe he didn't even really feel it. But come Sunday night, come Monday, he started to feel pain in his abdomen. So he went to that trainer, etc. Dude wound up being hospitalized for it. Matt LaFleur said that to the best of his knowledge, he believes Luke is out of the hospital now, but he knows for sure he was there yesterday. So, and he, he said it wasn't appendix related. So who knows what else like happened to Luke Musgrave, but to go from hospital to playing in two days also doesn't really seem positive. So you gotta be thinking at this point, Luke Musgrave is probably gonna be out. Whatever it is, an abdominal injury, an abdomen injury for Luke Musgrave and one of pretty significant nature. Uh, wondering if we're gonna see an IR stint or more details released soon. Pavian Wicks being a DNK for two days in a row. I said yesterday, maybe, maybe it's like Christian Watson's situation from a couple weeks ago where they think maybe he suffered a concussion, but then he turns out he really didn't and he's just good to go. No, two DNPs in a row realistically means that that man did probably suffer a concussion and the likelihood of passing through concussion protocol in only four days, not good. The fact that this is a Thursday game is really, really coming to whoop on the Packers in a bad, bad way. So. Basically, let's just break this down. Okay? All in all, on Thursday against Detroit, we may have an offense without Aaron Jones, Dontavian Wicks, Luke Musgrave, Josiah Deguara, and Manuel Wilson. With Reed, Watson, and Dylan all banged up. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Especially right as the offense was beginning to actually turn and look like a real NFL offense. Like they were looking so good as of late. And then the entire team basically got hurt. It's incredibly discouraging. Also, I will say from a roster standpoint, you got to think maybe the Packers are considering adding a tight end. Like they've done their work with running backs, right? They brought Patrick Taylor back. They brought James Robinson in on the practice squads. Like they've got bodies to elevate if need be. Tight end. Guara with two DNPs in a row. Musgrave being in the hospital. All you're left with is Ben Sims and Tucker Kraft. And now Kraft had a great play last week. Sims has done some nice work, especially in blocking. But, like, that's two. Generally, you want more than that, especially for the Lafleurian-style offense. So might we see a tight end brought in? The only one that I can think of is uh, Pearson on their practice squad, who's always been a fullback for the Packers, but he at least played some tight end in college. Maybe he gets an elevation. But, oh, buddy, that's you're getting far, far down the list. Now, or the Lions. They've got one real injury of note. Jonah Jackson, their starting guard, he's uh did not practice two days in a row. For the Lions, it's also an estimation as well, since they're just doing walkthroughs too. So that's it. That's it. Compared to the Packers list, it's just stupid at this point. Then the Lions on IR do have James Houston, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, Shane Dilstra, uh, their fullback, Jason Zabinda, and then their long snapper, Scott Bailey, who got put on IR on Halloween. So, uh, yeah. But basically, maybe, maybe to this point, at least with a lot of the limiteds for the Packers, right? Maybe they're just being like over transparent in this short week when they're doing these estimations. Maybe dude's got a bruise, put him on the list. Like, 
We also know the Packers are very conservative when it comes to their injury status. We know that they do hold in a lot of guys to do limited stuff if they're hurting. We just don't know. That's the thing. This list is too freaking long to really feel comfortable about heading into a four-day game against Detroit. I hated when the schedule came out the fact that both games against Detroit were on short weeks. And now, this late in the season, holy criminy, is it really killing the Packers. So, uh, let's take a look at the last time that these teams played now. Uh, this is going to be a slightly different episode, if you can't tell already. Since these two teams did already play, I don't have to give so many overview topics of the Lions. But nonetheless, in week four, uh, the beginning of the Packers really being broken, right? Because right before this, they had the Falcons, they had the Saints, they at least got a win against the Saints, and then they played Detroit, and it, it all fell apart. They lost in Lambeau 34 to 20. Jared Goff, the quarterback for the Lions, was predominantly held in check. He went 19 to 28, 210 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Gibbs, their rookie running back, uh, he carries 40 yards, pretty well head in check. I'm on Ross St. Brown. He didn't even have a huge game. Five catches, 56 yards, one touchdown. But, <laughs> but David Montgomery, he had a huge game. 32 carries for 121 yards and three touchdowns against the Green Bay Packers legendary run defense. In addition, Jerry Jacobs got two interceptions for the Lions, uh, and the defense got five sacks. So the defense ultimately performed well, kind of broke the Packers' offense for the next month, actually, and then pair that with David Montgomery just doing whatever he wanted to do on the ground. No, his yards per carry wasn't that high, but like still, dude ended with 121 yards and three touchdowns. He did just fine. There you have a 14-point separation in that game. On the Packers' side, looking at their stats from Week 4, they just couldn't run the ball at all. Aaron Jones wound up coming back from injury. He ran the ball five times for 18 yards. A.J. Dillon, five carries for 11 yards. Love in total was 22 of 36 for 246 yards and one touchdown and two interceptions. If you really, really want to know how the offense performed in this game, their highest-graded player was actually Samari Toure, who played 11 snaps for them. He had a 76.6 PFF grade. He's been healthy and active for the last string of weeks, I believe three weeks in a row. Second in grading was Romeo Dobbs, who actually performed well with nine catches for 95 yards. Also, if you really want to know, too, about the offense, Royce Newman started and played 57 snaps in this game. He now is the emergency guard. So, uh, yeah, the Packers offense does look a little different than it did in week four, although now it's basically a hospital wing. So let's take a look at Detroit, specifically where they are in the whole year now. They're eight and two, four and one, both on the road and at home. They've gotten wins against the Chiefs, Falcons, Packers, Panthers, Bucks, Raiders, Chargers, Bears, and they've suffered losses against the Seahawks and the Ravens. In those two losses, the average points given up were 37.5. You want to beat the Lions, you better outscore the Lions, and putting up 38 points is a good way to do it. We'll just see if Green Bay can. How the Lions roster is different, really just two notable moves. Marvin Jones no longer on the team. He was released. And then Bruce Irvin, if you remember that name, a blast from the past as a pass rusher. He's on their practice squad, having signed there not too long ago. In terms of offense, they are getting 263 yards passing per game. That is fourth in the NFL. In terms of rushing, 136.6 yards per game. That's fifth in the NFL. Yeah, and one component, they're fourth. The other component, they're fifth. In points, they're putting up 27.2 points per game. That's sixth. Good luck, Joe Barry. And defensively, they uh, passing defense, they're giving up 223.5 yards per game through the air. That's 16th in the NFL. Rushing defense, they're fifth in the NFL, giving up only 89.5 yards per game on the ground. However, 
I will point out that over the last three, the Lions have given up over uh, roughly 120 yards per game on the ground in the last three, bringing that average up a little bit. But nonetheless, still fifth in the NFL at 89.5. The Packers are going to be able to run the ball successfully against the Lions, given how depleted they are running back. <laughs> let's not hold our breath. We can hope. But let's not hold our breath. And then in terms of points, 22.9 points per game allowed. It's 22nd in the NFL. So the Lions do still give up their fair share of points. In terms of supplemental statistics, in terms of sacks, they get 2.3 sacks per game. That's tied with Green Bay for 22nd in the NFL. Turnover margin, they're at a negative 0.2 per game. That's 18th in the NFL. Green Bay just behind them at negative 0.3. Penalties, they only get 5.5 penalties per game. That's ninth in the NFL. Green Bay still floundering back at 30th. Plays per game, they get off 67.3 plays per game. That's Third in the NFL, the Packers find themselves in the bottom third, being one of the slower teams in the NFL in terms of getting plays off and then in special teams. The Detroit Lions rank 17th in the NFL per PFF's grading. The Green Bay Packers have fallen to 20th following Anders Carlson's miss last week. So, okay, here's the deal. Detroit's really, really good. I mean, 8-2. and two. Their offense, like I rattle off all those stats, one of the best offenses in the league, both passing the ball and running the ball. And they do it all behind behind what Joe Barry considers the best offensive line in the NFL. And defensively, their run defense has been really, really good. A little bit weaker as of late, but still really, really good. Their passing defense can at least be semi-exploited. And it probably is going to have to be if the Green Bay Packers want to win this game. So let's dive in to our keys. I found four keys that it's tough to say right now, right? Who's going to play? That may help dictate some of this stuff. But realistically, regardless of who plays, these are four keys that the Packers have to accomplish to even have a chance to beat the division leader on Thanksgiving. Number one, embrace being the underdog. Like I said, we don't know who's actually going to play. But regardless, you're going to be down men. No doubt about it. And a next man up, it's a cute coach's cliche, right? Gives the players faith. But if everyone were equal, we wouldn't have wins and losses. Next man up isn't so simple when you actually are trotting out seventh round picks and UDFAs instead of first and second rounders. Or, you know, you get where I'm going with this. Some significant contributors for the Packers will be out. Some guys are going to be playing more snaps than they've ever played. And some dudes who have never played are suddenly going to play. But here's the thing. There is a certain luster to be had with being the underdog. The Packers have never embraced it all that well. It's not really in their mentality. But if they're looking for an example of a team that actually did great work as an underdog for years, look right across the sideline to Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. What I'm saying here is embrace being the underdog and maybe take some risks that you ordinarily would not. Go for it on fourth, pull out the trick plays, give Keyshawn Nixon a series on the offensive side of the ball. Anything to keep this defense on its heels and doing unexpected things. It's time to get scrappy against one of the scrappiest teams in the league. Because if you just line up and try to out-execute them, you'll probably lose. If you try this complicated game plan, you'll probably lose because you're playing players that don't often play. So embrace being the underdog. And why not? Go for it. Number two, tackle, tackle, tackle. If the Lions don't just roll out an identical game plan to what they did in week four against the Packers, I'd be really surprised. David Montgomery is still David Montgomery, even though he's missed a couple games. 
Dude, it's still David Montgomery. And Jameer Gibbs has just become a larger part of the Detroit offense and significantly more effective than when he had eight carries for 40 yards. So, I mean, like I've spoke about the Packers' offensive injuries, but the defense, it's not like they're fully healthy either. Devondre Campbell hasn't practiced in two days with a neck injury. Savage may not be back. Who knows with Rudy and Jair, right? It's There's still losses everywhere. So it's not like you've got your own defense in full force. But one thing that a player can control is tackling. You can't control the scheme. You can't control injuries. You can't control what teammate lines up next to you with the one thing. The one thing that every defender has the ability to accomplish on their own is tackling. Last time the Packers and Lions played, Packers had 12 missed tackles, one of their highest games of the year. We know the Packers are still bad at tackling 16 misses against Pittsburgh. Uh, I think it was 13 against the Chargers. Too freaking many. You can't afford to miss 12 tackles against Detroit again in a game where you are dramatically outmanned. Roll what you can control and make the play. Three, let love fly. As I said, Detroit has a top five run defense, but they're 16th in pass defense. On an individual basis, their secondary can be beat. Most members of their secondary actually have a QB rating over 90 when targeted, and that includes Brian Branch, who's doing some phenomenal work for them in the slot. If the Packers can keep Love upright and allow him time to throw, this may be the Packers' best chance to truly muster some offense against this Detroit defense. This is especially true in the red zone. This is one area of the field where I have no faith, no faith in the Packers running the ball. Isaiah Bugs, the defensive tackle for the Detroit Lions, who seemingly plays like Superman against Green Bay and not so much against other teams, is going to be playing. So I don't have a lot of faith that Green Bay is suddenly going to be able to run the ball in goal line situations. So you best figure out how to pass it. Over the last month, Green Bay only gets touchdowns on 25% of their red zone trips. Even as the offense has gotten better, the red zone has been horrible. So time to reverse that trend if you want to have a chance in this game. Number four, you cannot play predictable defense. A lot of the advanced analytics out there point to the Green Bay Packers as having one of the most schematically predictable defenses in the NFL. Can't do that because there's one guy who really, really loves to hear that. All the fans, we hate it. People in 1265 Lombardi, they probably hate that fact. There's one man who really loves to hear that, and it happens to be Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Joe Barry has his core principles, right? We know keep everything in front of you, play a far back zone. He has deviated from it before. He did in Pittsburgh. We saw how that went. You can blame whoever you want, be it Barry or the players. Regardless, they deviated and it didn't go well. So they have to try again because Ben Johnson, if he knows what Joe Barry is going to call, it's going to be a very, very long day for the Packers secondary. They have to diversify their fronts and get after Jared Goff when the Lions do decide to air it out. Thus far, Goff has a 74% completion rate with 14 touchdowns and two interceptions while being kept clean. When pressured, 53% completion, two touchdowns, and six picks. The Lions do have one of the best lines in the NFL, but Jared Goff is being pressured on 33% of his dropbacks. Packers need to, at the very least, match that number. Else, again, be a long day. In terms of final thoughts, you know, coming off of the Chargers game, I really thought that there might be a chance here. The offense is beginning to cook. The defense is 
the defense, but there were some really strong individual performances on the defense. But the offense is beginning to gel, and they just came up with an improbable win against the Chargers and the Lions coming off of two almost losses, one against the Chargers, the team the Packers just beat. And then they almost fell to the Chicago Bears last week of all teams. The Lions are beginning to look a little vulnerable. They're not playing as well as they did when they had that Dan Campbell chip on their shoulder. And so I was like, maybe if things start to go right, might be a chance on Thanksgiving. And then the injury report came up. And then the injury report continued to grow. So it's not impossible. The task for the Packers has certainly gotten tougher. This is no time to give up hope. But it is time to be realistic and say, can part of the Packers' B squad, with only part of their A squad, go against an 8-2 division-leading team at home on Thanksgiving? I think the Lions are going to try to make the baby pack a meal. And that's less than ideal for the Cheeseheads. So if I got to give a final score, it hurts my heart to say it, but if I got to give one, Lions 37, Packers 28. I think the offense, even with a number of substitutes, still continue the trend in the right direction. But ultimately, the defense just can't keep up against a top 10 unit and realistically one of the most explosive ones in the NFL that can beat you in a number of different ways. Oh, I hope I'm wrong. But, you know, honestly, I thought the Packers had a real chance against the Chargers last week, and I predicted them to win, and then, hey, look at how that went. I don't feel the positive vibes this time around. So, reminder to you, no watch party on Thursday. That's family day. And if I do a live tomorrow, it is going to be a very last-minute kind of deal. So maybe be on the lookout for an announcement tomorrow. Be, maybe I can hop on here for a little bit for a live Q&A, but uh, for sure, no watch party on Thursday, and then on Friday sometime, probably will be Friday evening, you will see a reaction video from me. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Like I said yesterday, if this is the last time I see you before Thanksgiving, I hope this holiday is whatever you need it to be. Thanks so much for being here at Lombardi Time Brews. I hope you have a wonderful holiday with your family or loved ones or friends or whoever it is. And as always, even when it's not probable, go Pack Go. Oh,